You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. Now can you dig it? This is Jasper. And this is Randy. We watched two movies. And they were awesome. They were awesome. <laughs> and we were joined for those two movies by Jesse. What's going on, Jesse? Hey, I'm here. So your name is Jesse. Who are you? Why are you here? Oh, How do we know you? Oh, hey, I'm Jesse from the Grolix Podcast. That's GrolixPodcast.com. And uh, that is, that's, a, that's a podcast where we talk about comic books. Usually, usually comic books, sometimes movies, sometimes Doctor Who, basically anything we want to talk about, except for on the one poll list episode of the month where somebody else tells us what to do. Yeah, that sometimes they tell us good things and sometimes they tell us not so good things. Right. All right. So, yeah, uh, first off, I want to lead with something very apparent. Uh, the sound's a little... Listen, we got an alternate recording situation tonight. Uh, you just... In the world of podcasting, you just you roll with it. So uh, forgive the slightly subpar sound. That's what it is. It's, My fault. <laughs> it's spooky sound for it's Halloween. Spooky. The reason that Jasper sounds like a ghost is because he is. He's dead inside. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> So uh, it was ghost sounds. He made ghost sounds. It's, it's ambiance. <laughs> it, there is no Jasper. There is only the the disembodied voice of Jasper. Excuse <laughs> <clears throat> me. Oh my god! <laughs> I like I like how his moans were just like uh, like stuck in his throat. He just had to clear it. Yeah, it was it was it was down there. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, we are talking about since it is a Halloween episode, we've got a okay, we've got one Halloween-ish movie for you uh, and another one that's not uh, any kind of Halloween movie. Well, I don't know. I guess that's debatable now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of costumes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. There is a lot of costumes. We're talking about the Warriors. Uh, we're going to call that a Halloween movie now. And we're also talking about Murder Party from 2007. Okay, first, let's start this off Halloween style with a movie that I've been wanting to talk about for a, for a long time because uh, nobody knows about this movie. And if they do, I find very few people that actually enjoy it as much as I do. So uh, we're going to talk huh. about Murder Party uh, from 2007. Uh, this was written and directed by Jeremy Solnier. Solnier? I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name, but he's actually somebody who's known now. Overview. A random invitation to a Halloween party leads a man into the hands of a rogue collective intent on murdering him for the sake of their art, sparking a bloodbath of mishap 
Mayhem, and Hilarity. Uh, this stars Chris Sharp, Macon Blair, Stacy Rock, Sky Salner, Salner. Sorry about that name again. Paul Goldblatt and some other people. Which one is the main character? Is that Paul? No, that's not Paul. Um, it's Chris something. Uh, the character's name is Christopher S. Holly. So okay, that's know. that's our kind of uh, I guess protagonist, right? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. First, had you guys ever heard of this before? No, I have not. I had not as well. I don't remember how I initially... I, I think I just come across this on Netflix. Now, I had seen this movie. I don't know what year. This came out in 2007, but I had seen this so long ago that I had the DVD in my possession from Netflix. Back when Netflix, that's how you use Netflix. Is It was a DVD oh, wow. rental service, basically. DVDs via mail. And that's the only place, actually, Netflix has been my only connection for this movie. I never thought about that. Uh, that's the only place I was able to find it. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of information on this. But it is now streaming. For the last couple of years, uh, it's been streaming on Netflix as well. So you can find it there. But I had rented this, really enjoyed it. And it kind of became one of my go-to Halloween movies. Maybe not every year, but every couple of years. However, like I said, very few people... I subjected this to, or subjected to this, that they did, most, most people they seem to appreciate it as much as I did. Um, so I guess <laughs> w- w- along those lines, w- what were your guys' initial impressions? Whoever wants to go first, I don't care. Well, yeah, I had no, I really had no, no contacts for this movie other than it would pair well with uh, the Warriors and I would probably dig it. Um, <laughs> based on, based on Randy's thought, thought for, process here for one very specific reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know how to, pers- how, <laughs> like, this is an unusual film to kind of have an opinion on because it's like, it's not like, oh man, it's, this is such, you know, like this is such a funny movie or this is such a like dark <laughs> horror. It's like neither of those things, you know? So I can see why. <laughs> I can see why you have like a hard time selling this to people because it's like, it's not the most horrible horror of all time. And it's not the funniest funny movie of all time either. It's just like, it's both it's, it's funny and weird quirky ways and it's dark and really like blood, blood splattery gross, but not really like, I don't, I don't know. Not like super scary either. More like the theater of the bizarre. Is, is yeah. how I guess I would describe this film. So, okay, Jasper, what are your kind of uh, general thoughts on this? I'm curious before I really kind of dive into it. My overall thought is, is most of this movie, I was just a lot of what the hell. It's just being awestruck by, by this movie. Like, it's just the things that happen happen at weird times. And like, it just. It's weird that, like, I, I was kind of looking at where it said it was, you know, this is a very low-budget film, but, I mean, they did a great, great job with how they used everything. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah. it it is a low-budget film, but mind you, that's still, you know, it's not like a student film. It's $190,000, so just shy of $200,000, mm-hmm. which is, you know, sounds like a lot, but it is still a very fairly low-budget movie. They spent their money in the right places. And I feel like the script lends itself... It's 
you know, it's that it's it's so funny. We were just talking about this on Grolic's podcast that released this last week. You know, at the time of this episode going up, we were talking about other low budget movies that were substantially lower budget than this. And it's that whole thing of knowing how to script a low budget movie. Almost the entirety of this movie is in one location. So it's it's that whole oh, yeah. thing of, you know, keeping the cost low or Reservoir Dogs. We talked about that quite a bit last season. The idea of like, how can I really stretch? How can we really stretch out this budget? One location, just script it so that most of the movie is in this one location, and that cuts down the cost considerably. It's like the horror version of Reservoir Dogs, where it happens all in one. And like, and it was kind of funny too because people are coming in at certain times, just kind of like Reservoir Dogs, where characters came in at certain times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's weird to know that kind of like hit my head now being you know on this podcast and watching those kind of movies like this is very reservoir dogs like here you know it's it's funny I, that had never occurred to me but man this actually would have paired pretty well with reservoir dogs we could have crafted some interesting pitches based on that <laughs> oh yeah yeah and in the warehouse in the warehouse next door or on the other side of the warehouse <laughs> mr pink why do i gotta be mr pink <laughs> Here's my thoughts on the movie. Even though this is a movie like I enjoy, which I've already said, and I've championed this movie for a long time. I always mention it around Halloween time, and I try to push it on my friends. <laughs> I, f- <laughs> it, it's not great. Okay, like uh, Jesse, you kind of nailed it in that. You know, it's now it's a horror comedy. The horror is mm-hmm. not particularly horrific. It's not like a. It's not gonna scare you. It's not a scary movie. And the comedy right. is not particularly funny. <laughs> it's pretty bad, to be honest. But it's also that thing of knowing what you can get away with. It's not like the characters are supposed to be funny, but not like it, it's it's like amateur in all regards, but done very well. You know, like it's it's. It feels it has that amateur feel and all the characters feel like amateurs and like nobody knows what they're doing. Like none of the characters know what they're doing. The character that, that comes to the party doesn't know what he's doing or why he's actually there other than he wanted to go to a party. Uh, the, the, the villains are not particularly adept at anything <laughs> anything except except for the one except for the one that you didn't expect. Oh, he's that's so good, dude. He makes. He is a big part of what makes this movie for me. Yeah. I, yeah, I know we're talking about the same guy. And the, where the humor comes from, I think, is also what turns a lot of people off of this movie. The humor is... Now, there are... Actually, I think there are a couple genuinely funny gags, including some funny sight gags and just, like, ridiculous moments where you're like, what? Like, at one point, he gets loose and they're chasing him all around. And he ends up <laughs> in this closet and he's looking around for, like, what he can use to escape because they're all like right outside the door yeah yeah and he sees like there's a thing of gasoline there's like a propane tank all this stuff right what's he do he opens the door (laughs) he's got all this junk in his arms he just throws the junk on the ground in front of him they're all like what the heck and he does like a he does a little fake out in place and then runs off and they just grab him and it's like oh what so like there's some (laughs) there's some like looney tunes comedy almost like ridiculous screwball stuff but most of the attempt at comedy is the fact that with the exception of our main character everyone is just super pretentious art douchebags 
They're just all yeah. irredeemable d bags, and that's where the comedy kind of a lot of the comedy lies. And I think that's hard for some people because they're not likable. None of them are likable. They're not supposed to be likable, but they're also like even when they try to be funny, they're not really funny. It's like watching an episode of The Office, but they're all Dwight. Like every character's Dwight. <laughs> yeah, that's not far off. That's not far off. So basically, here's here's the deal. I really like the opening. Basically, I like the first act and the third act quite a bit. I really like the opening. I think it's 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 cool. It sets a great tone. It's just it's, it's Halloween to the bone. Just pure pure Halloween. The climax, I love. Like rewatching it this last time, I'll admit the the middle was was sagging a little harder. For me than it normally does. That's a weird expression to say, but um, <laughs> I was I was struggling a little bit more with the middle section this time than usual, and then the 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 climax of the movie happens, and I'm like, oh yes, this is why I love this movie. I love it's off to the races. That part's off to the races, super fast paced. Oh yeah, nonstop, you know, nonstop pacing, and it's great. I like the humor in the in that part in the climax. I think there's some really funny little bits in there. You definitely get the gore aspect in that part. And uh, yeah, it kind of makes the movie for me. So I'm like, okay, so yes, first act, love it. Third act, love it. The middle's hard. I'll admit the middle, it's tricky, but it's basically just like a hangout movie in the middle. Yeah. It's just character development. It's just like, I guess why you hate these characters or, 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 or don't hate them or I don't know, you know, like it, it's just developing the characters in the meantime until it's off to the races. Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> what, what do you chuckle a little about Jasper? It just, the There's a lot of stuff in the middle part of that movie, that just, man, I just sat there and I was like, wow, this is just, this is above and beyond right now. So the reason I thought, <laughs> so I'd had no idea, Jasper, what you were going to think of this movie. And I've seen your rating. I cheated. I didn't cheat. Twitter cheated for me. I've seen your rating, uh, but we'll save that for later. But the reason I thought Jesse might, or at least my selling point for Jesse was like, it's got puns. It's got a whole part <laughs> oh, dedicated yeah. to puns. Oh my God. Yeah. Where basically they, it's like recreational truth serum abuse. Like they just sit down and like, <laughs> <laughs> shoot 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 themselves up with truth serum and just have this like i don't know if it's like supposed to be heart to heart conversation and it just devolves into just the worst worst puns they're so bad yeah yeah <laughs> but even the even the hostage gets in on it so you know yes it was like oh my god like yeah i uh i've been you know i've been held hostage against my will but now i want in on this I've got a pun. Yeah. I mean, everybody's saying puns. I got one. Especially remind me of like, like Jesse hostage. The one where he's like, I shouldn't be punished. I was like, Jesse. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, and it was, it was like the most obvious, horrible pun too. Like <laughs> the one that really makes the one that I think I roll my eyes at hardest is when the, the one chick's like something about, I'm really wigging out because she's got a wig on. It's like, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I did like his though. I liked his first one. He's like, I'm having one heck of a heck of a night, heck of a crazy night, because he's dressed up as a night. <laughs> what did you? Okay, I kind of love this. What did you guys think of 
let's talk about the costumes. First, I want to start talking about the main character's costume because I love the whole setup where he's going to go to this party. He's assuming it's just like a regular Halloween party because he found this invitation to a murder party on the ground. So he's going to go to it because his cat won't get off his chair. <laughs> it's the whole thing. <laughs> right. Does it say Sir Lancelot is the name yes. of the cat? Yeah. And that apparently inspires his costume. Yeah, right. So he pulls out a box that says Halloween costume on it. He pulls out a bunch of stuff and he pulls out like this giant ogre mask, which is pretty, it's like an ogre. It's one of those huge, like, it's not a mask so much as a full body costume. Like, it's just huge ogre mask. And he like yeah. looks at it and he's like, huh. And he sets it off to the side and then starts to cut up the box. And he makes himself like this night outfit out of the cardboard box and duct tape. So I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> but the other costumes are where I very on cleverly paired this with the warriors. When they reference a few different things, like uh, she, uh, the, the one gal is basically the character from Blade Runner, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, the character okay. of Lexi is dressed up as Daryl Hannah's character from Blade Runner. And then uh, the other obvious like reference to something is uh, we've got a baseball fury in there. <laughs> right. Our, our, it, we'll get into it with our review of the Warriors, but a little peek at my review of Warriors is one of the most ridiculous gangs in the Warriors, in my opinion, is the Baseball Furies, and that movie obviously yeah. loves them. <laughs> but, and there's some ridiculous gangs, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a Baseball Fury in this who retroactively makes the Baseball Furies in the Warriors cooler to me. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. And then we've got, what, we've got a couple of vampires, a werewolf, and a cheerleader. Yeah. And I don't think she was any kind of special cheerleader, just like a cheerleader. Who are your guys' least favorite characters? Let's go there because this is really, it is kind of, that's, I guess, the problem with the middle section of this or the majority of this movie is it's basically, since it's what we're, you know, it's it's a one location, it's basically, if this was a TV show, it'd be a bottle episode. It's where, let's lock all these characters in this room. This is the episode. It's these characters. So it's basically, it's 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 about these people the problem is most of these people suck so who are your least favorite of the characters i would have to say the the, the blade runner girl is probably my least favorite mm -hmm. next to her would probably be the wolf guy although i i did like him a little bit at the beginning but yeah i but i would say for sure her well, I mean, that's the thing is they're all awful. And so it's hard to it's hard to pick one like legitimately. So it's like I, I have to like go with the stereotype I hate the most, I guess, or. Uh, yeah. Or annoy annoys me the most. You know, it's more like a Napoleon Dynamite kind of thing where it's like, oh, man, he annoys the crap out of me. So that's what I dislike. But it's done so well. It's done to such great effect. I suppose if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the photographer guy. Cause that guy just would not stop. You know, it's like, <laughs> like when he dies, I'm like, I do not feel bad for you. Spoilers. He dies. I love his okay death, by it. the way. It's so good. Yeah. It's like, will you just, like, oh my will you just God. let me work. <laughs> like he's, he's literally he's so shot annoyed the through the whole thing. Yeah. He's shot in the head and he still will not just, will just not stop. 
Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it is. I guess what I should, how I should have better framed that is who annoys you the most because that's the they're they're annoying characters. I'm gonna have to go with, and I feel like this is kind of a cheat because this is the obvious choice from the attitude of the movie. I guess is the Alexander guy because he yeah, is him too. He he. I mean, he's a phony for one. Spoilers. He's a phony, but like he's also the most obnoxiously, intentionally pretentious. He's just disgusting. Yeah, and his whole thing is to mess with everyone and uh-huh. and to uh, put on airs and and act like he's better than anyone else. It, okay, so how about favorite characters or least annoying? <laughs> I guess. Oh man, I don't know. Probably the probably main main character. Yeah, somehow, and he's annoying too. <laughs> main character is hella annoying, and when you think about it, but. I yeah. think he's my favorite, especially with with how the ending all went and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like the main character too, and I, and I feel like he just they he doesn't get a chance to be all that annoying. He's just a just like a uber nerd, a uber lonely nerd, and not like a not like a modern internet nerd, like a real nerd, like an eighties nerd or something. He's the kind of guy that is so desperate for something to do that he just like picked up some garbage. Uh, invitation off of the ground and thought why not i'll go to this party where i'll clearly know no one and it'll still be better than what i was gonna do he's a meter maid even like so it's not even his job is one of the most like meter maids man by the way that is actually a super dangerous job oh i believe it lots of violence befalls meter maids yeah so i like him i again this is not like a I should say I'm entertained by the baseball fury. He's one of my favorite. He's great. Oh yeah. He is other than everyone's like complete lack of humanity. He is legitimately the most, uh, horror, most scary aspect of this movie. Cause he, he is the quiet psychopath. Right. You're just waiting for him to go off. Kind of. At mm-hmm. first, you don't know that he's going to go off because he's not affected by anything. But eventually, uh-huh. you're just like, oh, oh, this guy could be a problem. Almost the entire time, he's just not even paying attention. I mean, he's listening to the conversation. But for almost the entirety of the movie, he's just sitting there playing his like a PSP or something. He's playing a video game, his little handheld game. And there's some fun stuff where you hear little voice clips from the game sometimes. Especially towards the end where stuff starts to go down. Somebody, when, when uh, I, it might be the photographer gets shot in the head, it cuts to him where he, and he's still not even really paying attention. And you hear on the game, headshot <laughs> and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Right. And then before he finally <laughs> like joins the party, you hear everybody dies. And that, be, that is totally his, his thing at the end. He just screams that. Right. For the rest of the climax. <laughs> and also, like, he's he's ridiculous and, and pretentious and a, and a jerk, but I do kind of like the photographer just because he's one of the more amusing, ridiculous characters to me. Like, he brings in right. a, an assistant to this attempted murder scene to help with lighting, and he's just like, what? I always work with an assistant. Yeah, no, and he's done really well. I just like, I just can't handle him. I cannot. Oh, he, I, he's the oh, type he's of obnoxious. character. He's like, 
man, if he was like a coworker or something, I'd be like, I'm going to take a break because <laughs> I can't even with you. <laughs> the climax of this thing. Let's let's talk about it, because I think it was Jesse. You said, you know, once it's once it's off, it's just like super quick paced. Yeah. So once once there's definitely a moment in which, boom, you know what? Everyone, everybody dies. And it's just a massacre. And it leads to this final climax of the movie. And uh, I love this whole part just because of kind of how crazy it is. But it is super quick paced. And like we've just come off of, uh, this is actually a pretty lean movie. It's not super long. I guess it's an hour and nineteen minutes, so it's a uh, it's actually pretty short, which is probably good. But we come out of this like whole middle section of just basically listening to these horrible, pretentious characters talk and argue and make puns into super quick paced <laughs> murder massacre chase across like rooftops and stuff. So what did you guys think of how this movie ends? I mean, it's so fast. Like it just, it just goes. <laughs> you had mentioned Jesse uh, Cicero, the guy who played Cicero specifically. He is not somebody I was aware yeah. of, but you know uh, who this guy was. Yeah. Uh, Bosia is, uh, he's pretty well known as a slam poet. He's been on uh, HBO's deaf poetry jam a few times. And, uh, yeah, he's he's one. I don't know if he's regarded as such, but he's one of the slam poet pioneers in terms of there was a big documentary about slam poetry when it was really kind of just taking off. And uh, he is a key player in that. And so he's kind of he's kind of well known for that, but he's branched out from that since then. And he plays Cicero and he's so he's this pre- pretentious guy and he a lot of his poetry is kind of subversive almost countercultury type of stuff so it it worked perfectly for him he doesn't have a huge part but he's in there and he's referenced you know cicero he's thrown the big party that comes up during the movie several times but um yeah no you you sent me a clip of this guy i was like oh i didn't i didn't even know the movie it's so funny because it's comments on art are so like the way it goes about commenting on art feels like the comment itself is treated as pretentious as the characters in the movie are supposed to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Basically, it comes down to the baseball fury, who, by the way, said he, he I killed a furry once. <laughs> that always stuck with me. He goes out and looks at this dog for a little bit, and he's just like, I hate you. I hate you so much. I killed a furry once. It's like, what? <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> it comes down to him chasing our, the hostage who's gotten free. Uh, basically, there's just like they all start kind of massacring each other. It, it, the two of the pretentious art D-bags left is the Baseball Fury and uh, Macon, who is one of the actors that pops up in this uh, this director's other movies. He's a very one-sided character. Uh, this, this watch through, it annoyed me a little bit. It's like the, you, you could have give this guy a little bit more. Like his whole thing is he right. loves Lexi. That's it. Like to a creepy extent, but that's that's his whole character. Right. Anyway, he ends up like disfigured. He gets burnt at one point while he has the werewolf mask on. This is actually some super excellent makeup. 
his burn makeup because right. it looks gory and grotesque. But also there's just the little like nose and snout piece of the werewolf mask still stuck on his face. I like the idea and it's very bizarre. It's just bizarre and grotesque. When it's all been set up, like it's been set up since act one where he's like, he's just drinking hard alcohol all night long, dousing himself in it all night long. And then you finally get the payoff of I'm going out for a smoke. (laughs) And that's what does it. You're right. You're right. That's really when things, when it all starts to spiral, but he survives that. And he's chasing after the baseball fury because the baseball fury killed Lexi. And the baseball right. fury, of course, is chasing after the hostage because everybody dies. One of the things, like I remember watching this with Melanie at some point. I don't, I, I did not even ask her to be on this episode because I knew she would not be interested. Although she did, <laughs> she did, she did watch the Warriors with me. I don't think huh. she enjoyed it. <laughs> she, she didn't enjoy I, it. Yeah. yeah. If she didn't like this, she wouldn't like the Warriors. <laughs> so, uh, so the problem with this, he's got a chainsaw, right? The the now burnt werewolf guy. But it's yeah. it's one of those electric plug-in chainsaws. So he's even though he's chasing these guys, he's carrying this super long extension cord trying to find a place to plug it in. <laughs> I know that was a problem Melanie had. She's like, this is, it's so stupid. Why is he doing that? I'm like, I don't know. Because... <laughs> Cause it's ridiculous <laughs> for art, for art. Yes, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with all that climax. Whatever, Cicero's talking to the yeah. baseball fury and is actually like compliments him on his art. And he's like, "Oh, you know," he kind of stops for a minute. It's like kind of cool. Okay, like, like it rehumanizes have... him for a second. Yeah, just for a second. And then Cicero's like, "Hey, have you seen? <laughs> Mind you, it's been." discovered that this alexander is a fraud and does not have grant money he's like have you seen alexander i'm supposed to talk to him about grant money and that's when that's when it kind of snaps him back into oh nope i'm done everybody <laughs> dies yeah and the baseball fury it was one of my favorite lines i can't say it but he's like f this whole scene everybody dies <laughs> and that's when he starts <laughs> axing people at this like art installation Oh my god, that part where he walks in and it's like, like this is art or something, and it's uh-huh. just a bunch of people like just sitting there with almost no clothes on, just looking really bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and the guys hide the hostages hiding in there. He's like, "Run! He's gonna kill us!" And one guy's like, "I'm a lover, not a fighter." And then he takes an axe to the collarbone. <laughs> it's like, oh. oh my god, yeah. It was funny in that part because I was a little bit not a fire and you just hear the axe like right in his collarbone. So I don't know <laughs> what this actor could have been saying, but I, maybe this might tell you, Jesse, if we've watched the same documentary, but I had watched something. I think it was a DVD extra on this where they were talking about that scene where they've got him like in there. He's like chopping people. And apparently they had mm-hmm. to overdub him. Like they had to redub his lines with less disturbing lines because i guess in the moment the actor was actually saying some super horrific stuff and i mean mind you they overdubbed him with everyone dies pigs and just like still saying horrible stuff so it's like what what did he say on set i I didn't get i don't think that i got that far in Uh, i got in to the point where they were talking about like how they basically 
you know, the, this would be CGI or the computer effects that they used on the final, final the chainsaw in the face. Yeah. 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 They were talking about that and how that went down. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, again, I, I referenced it earlier, like the money that they did spend, they spent well, you know, I think they spent a lot of money on the werewolf guys makeup. And I think they spent a lot of money on making the chainsaw look like it was running. And it worked. Yeah, the, the Fury ends up getting the chainsaw in the face. Uh, the one guy falls to, to total spoilers. Uh, the werewolf guy falls to his death, which somehow, in a very Looney Tunes way, <laughs> gives the hostage access to the chainsaw dangling out the window. So he grabs it and ends up uh, the, putting it to the baseball Fury. And no, you could, dude, they cut to that shot several times. You could tell. I remember from that documentary the director being so thrilled that. <laughs> he was just so ecstatic that we made a movie where we actually get to show a chainsaw cutting into a guy's face and he was so excited I'm like I'm gonna watch this director uh, well like, he wouldn't even stuff. let anybody see it you know like he was like how's it look and he's like I'm not gonna show you <laughs> like he, he needed he needed that like he was so excited about that part in particular uh, Jasper I heard you chuckling what were you, you chuckling about this last <laughs> cause bit <laughs> This the way the the way that scene happened where right before he does shave off, you hear me fall off the building and go, Lexi and then (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, with his dying breath. (laughs) My only practicality with that was when like the chainsaw like just his weight if he's full not he might not have been holding on to it too though, like just but would have snapped the extension cord, you know. Oh dude Oh yeah. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It it wouldn't work that way at all. Even if he wasn't holding on to it, the chainsaw would have come on. Because, like, there's two points of failure there. There's where it's plugged into the light socket, and then where the extension cord plugs into the chainsaw itself, it would have come undone. But I just love the the look. (laughs) So then this very timid hostage guy is chainsawing into this guy's face, and he's he's like, stop killing everybody. Stop killing everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, right. and then at one point and it's just like you know chainsaw on the face and then we cut to the hostage guy and it's just like a garden hose of blood spray in his face and he goes ew gross <laughs> that cracks me up a bit every time. <laughs> yeah yeah he's like doing this thing and he's just disgusted by it gross <laughs> okay well, that was Murder Party. We talked about that a bit longer than I had expected. <laughs> Star ratings on this thing. That's probably the hardest part, man. This is actually even a little tricky for me. I don't remember what I gave it in the past. Like I said, for me, this viewing, again, the end come around and like picked me back up, but it drug a little longer than it normally does for me. It seems like whenever I come onto the show, I rate things kind of dead center or just above center, unless it's really bad. You know, like it's usually like a three star or a 3.5. I'm going to have to go four stars on this one because it's, um, wow. It's, it's better. I mean, like it's good. It's, it's an interesting movie for me. It ticks a lot of boxes and there's something more behind it than, than just a one note. I don't know. I mean, like it is one note, but I guess that's also the point of it. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's compelling. And there's a reason why we talked about it longer than we expected, because it's fascinating. 
I would agree. Okay. How about you, Jasper? Well, you already looked at my rating, but I went with a four, four out of five. Like I said, with knowing this is a low budget film, like how they, the, like you said, the wolf, the wolf man's makeup really kind of made it for me in that one part. But, um, just the kind of awkwardness of this film makes me want to watch it again. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> surprised and fascinated when I saw you gave it a four stars. Okay. I was struggling a little bit. Like I said, this this watch, the middle drug on a little bit for me. But then the end happens, and I love it. So this is like, even the middle, there's some good stuff. As we've discussed, there's some humorous stuff. There's some attempts at humor that aren't so humorous. One thing I just want to comment on a little bit, like the set is okay. The set's not bad. So like the look of the movie is okay. There's some really cool steady cam work throughout it. Like a lot of the movie, even though they're in one location, they kind of keep it fresh by the camera's always moving. Like it's, there's a lot of kind of long takes of like the camera quickly moving from character to character, not in a way that is mm-hmm. distracting or even that like it doesn't call that much attention to itself, but it, I noticed it. And uh, I appreciated that. So, you know, it's it's well made. Looking at my previous ratings, uh, so I've logged this on Letterboxd three other times. And I've given it four stars every other time. So, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go four stars as well. Uh, it's not oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. But the beginning and the end are so good that it's okay. It's okay for it to sag in the middle. And I'm still happy with a four star on this. Well, and I think that the comparison to Reservoir Dogs is very apt because it's like, I feel like I would need to watch it a few times just to catch all of the dialogue again, because it's like, Mm. man, they talk about a lot of stuff. That they do. Oh, so the director, like I said, is is notable for a couple other things. He's since then, he's made a Blue Ruin, which is a movie people I, I heard quite a bit about. I still haven't seen. And it has the guy that plays the the wolf man in this. And then also Green Room, which is uh, probably more well-known. Uh, it stars Anton Yelchin just shortly before he died. Also has the wolf man in it. And Patrick Stewart. So, like, you know, he, he went from a low-budget movie about pretentious art D-bags trying to murder a guy to a higher profile movie about Nazi D-bags trying to murder people. <laughs> huh. But I recently watched Green Room because I'd heard it really good things, but I heard it was like kind of disturbing. So I was like, well, I'll get around to it at some point. <sighs> this guy, dude, he's still, he's all about the gore still. Like it is hardcore, but it's not like, it's not like Evil Dead fun gore. It is horrible, disturbing, bothersome gore. It's a good movie, but it is not uplifting. Not for the lighthearted. <laughs> no, Green Room, no. It's it is it is as bothersome as I had heard. But it was good and I'm glad the director went from this to other things because I always appreciated his work on this. So all right. From one group of costume freaks to another. That's, that's the segue. <laughs> it was almost kind of like a Vince McMahon selling of it, too. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to do it more of a Vince McMahon. The next thing I thought of was like, Sunday, These Sunday, costume Sunday. costume freaks, you're fired. <laughs> that's all I got. Stone Cold, 
<laughs> All right. So, hey, Jasper, what do we talk about next? We're talking about the Warriors. Come out and play. I'm good. I'm sorry. I was a little much. <laughs> Dude, it had to happen <laughs> at some point. You're right, Jasper. We're talking about the Warriors. Now, can you dig it? Oh, my God, dude. I love that. Oh, I had forgot so much. About- okay, so the Warriors from 1979. First, let's do the overview. Prominent gang leader Cyrus calls a meeting of New York's gangs to set aside their turf wars and take over the city. At the meeting, a rival leader kills Cyrus, but a Coney Island gang called the Warriors is wrongly blamed for Cyrus's death. Before you know it, the cops and every gangbanger in town is hot on the Warriors' trail. Screenplay by David Shaber? Shaber? Shabir? God, I hate names. And Walter Hill. (laughs) It was directed by Walter Hill. Is this the first? No, we must have done another Walter Hill movie on the show. Maybe this might be the first Walter Hill movie we've done. That's amazing. Okay. Now, did we all watch the ultimate director's cut? Because that's what I had on DVD. That was my next question. I did watch the ultimate director's cut. Jasper, did the version you have have comic book frames in it? No, it did not. I had it. I had it from actually my brother had a copy. So you watched the regular Um, cut, I'm assuming. Yeah, I watched the regular cut. There's no like comic book style uh, segues between some scenes? Not at all. Okay. So interesting. I don't know what all was added, but Jasper watched the regular cut theatrical release cut this stars michael beck james rimmer reamer david patrick kelly dorsey wright david harris i feel like that's probably whatever there's more people deborah van valkenberg all right so the warriors this is this is a cult classic i'll just go ahead and say i have seen this before i'd only seen this one other time and I, this was something I was aware of, but I didn't see it till fairly late on. It was sometime after the video, they made a video game of this. Oh, wow. Aughts. So you had seen it after, after the video game or? Now, mind you, I had not played the game, but somebody had, was playing the game and they loved it. And they were talking about this Warriors game. And I'm like, Warriors, is that based on the, on the movie? They're like, yeah. I'm like, why did they? In the aughts, randomly make a video game right. based on the 1979 Warriors, but that got me thinking exactly. about the movie, which which I had never seen, so I had rented it. And so I've seen this one other time, sometime in the aughts, and then I rewatched this with Melanie uh, like a week ago. Yeah, and uh, my initial impressions, I don't know that it lived up to the hype for me. I don't know what I was expecting, oh, but sure. I think it's, it's, it's fun, but ridiculous. That's my thoughts. What are you guys' What did you know of this, and what are your initial thoughts? I know my brother's watched this a couple of times. I remember always hearing the Warriors come out and play thing. I thought Booker T coined the term, can you dig it, sucker? Um, <laughs> found out, no, he did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, can you dig it was around before even this, but, man, the mm-hmm. delivery of it in this is so memorable. <laughs> It's like the Martin Luther uh, King Jr. speech of Can You Dig It? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a way to put it. It is. (laughs) It's the the I have a dream of Can You Dig It? Can you dig it? Going toward the end of this movie, I really started to actually enjoy it. So 
I'm actually surprised to get when we get to star ratings to to see what everybody else put it at. Okay, that means you're going first on star ratings. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what What about you, Jesse? What's your history with this? Okay, so I think it, it came out in the came out in the eighties, I assume, or no, late seventies. You said right, seventy nine. So real close to the eighties. Okay, so that's right around when I would have been born. <laughs> I'm like I'm 1978, so this is uh, yeah. I didn't watch it when I when it came out, uh, <laughs> and I I didn't even watch it in the 80s. I think I watched it in college. It seems like uh, college is where I did a lot of like catching up with cult classics. I think that's when I just uh, like really dove into um, the Evil Dead stuff too. Like I had watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, Army of Darkness, but for whatever reason, had never seen the original Evil Dead. So in college, that was a good time for me to catch up on stuff like that. And uh, I think I think for sure that's when I uh, found the Warriors because it seems like something I would have rented from the little video store there in Wayne. And yeah, no, I like I I dug it, but I also didn't know a whole lot about it. It's it is a cult classic, but it's like it's become bigger now than it ever was you know like i i knew it was a thing i'd heard of it but it wasn't like people were clamoring for it at that time uh it's almost become a meme now and uh and so i didn't have huge expectations and i was just like it it was another one of those like it's weird you know it's kind of like um not like clockwork orange but sort of like clockwork orange in that clockwork orange has all these weird visual decisions that happen and that's that's where I feel like the comparison pretty much starts and ends between those two movies. But like there is a weird visual vibe that they decided to cue into to make this not really. I don't know. I don't know when this is supposed to be uh, when it's supposed to take place. It's supposed to take place in sort of a, a near future type of situation. But we have no idea when. So I think part of like I said, it didn't live up to the hype for me because I don't know where I got my expectations from. And to be fair, like this is great material to use for a video game. It is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So over the top. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting more of, um, I guess a serious take or a gritty take on like, you know, various gangs in the seventies and, you know, just the, the, the scenario, which is interesting. It's basically just this one gang has to navigate through a whole bunch of other gangs' territories to get home. That's the whole thing. It's like a journey thing. And Right. But what you get is basically the Saturday morning cartoon version of, of that idea. It's so cartoony and ridiculous. The characters, like every all the costumes, the gangs, like it's... Dude, there, there's no gang that like running around dressed up as baseball players. Like it's ridiculous, right? Right. right. But I mean, it's still fun. Like I, I really wonder how this was received at the time. I feel like it's also pulling from like uh, Odyssey. You know, like there's things that seem like they're straight rips from Homer's Odyssey or. I think it was Homer's Odyssey, where it's like uh, they have this brief moment where it's like, oh, they're all just hanging out, right? But it it also feels like it pulls from like the siren song that that whole thing where it's like, okay, Odysseus Odysseus and his crew 
all they got to do is keep plugging plugging on and and they can get home but instead they have this layover but it's a trap there's even i don't know if this is in the regular version it starts like it's a story like a it talks about the do you remember it's got this little narration and it starts like it's going to be this oh yes yeah medieval what is it they do. They they even uh, they even talk about Thermopylae. They even talk about the three hundred. Basically, yes, that's it. Yes, <laughs> the warrior. Like what? And then it and then it's like then we're in seventies New York or wherever. Yeah, they totally drop that vibe immediately, and then they throw on like comic book stuff instead. The comic book <laughs> stuff. This is so again. We watched uh, two of us watched the Ultimate Director's Cut, and that was added. And that didn't even come out till way later. That might have been closer to when I had watched it. Maybe that's it. It got a big push for a re-release or something. That was added, and I believe that was something they wanted to do back in the day. But they didn't. They decided against it. The studio wouldn't get behind it. I don't know. Or Back then, that would have cost a fortune, probably. That kind of digital overlay. It does it a few times to where it's just... One of them's kind of animated, but it's basically it goes to Photoshop filters in this of of the frame, you know, of the image, and it uses those in like comic book panels to segue between some scenes. And I guess that makes sense. That kind of sets the tone for how outlandish the setting, the characters of this movie are. Where it's like, you know, it's a comic book, so I wonder if they really planned that from the start or if. In retrospect, the director's like, God, this is kind of like like comic book characters. Hey! So I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> uh, know. Almost like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. It was like, oh, this is almost kind of funny. Well, let's do a version where it's supposed to be kind of funny. <laughs> I can't see them thinking they were doing a super serious... Like, they knew this was camp, right? Like, they had to know with right. how ridiculous some of the out- costumes are in the gangs. I do love the one gang. I, the riffs, or is it the riffs? The ra- riffs, where yeah, the Gramercy riffs, where yeah, and it, oh yeah, it, it always it'll cut to the one leader, and I just the way it's framed, like the way it's shot. I love those little cutaways, and then we've got this strange DJ situation to where there's a DJ basically informing all the other gangs, like go after these guys. Yeah, I kind of like that stuff. But at no point do the warriors themselves acknowledge it. Like they don't know any of that's going on. Not till the end. Well, we kind of even... buried the lead. Uh, we we did mention it in the synopsis, but like we kind of buried the lead in that. Um, like so, there's this conclave where all of the gangs show up, and uh, so the warriors get framed for the murder of Cyrus. But it's like the most blatant murder of all time. Like nobody's supposed to have a weapon. All the all the cops are showing up before there's even anything going down. And then uh, a T bird <laughs> yes, pulls a gun and just up. like a handgun. Yeah, just boom. Like the most baby face young uh, T bird you can imagine. <laughs> he one hundred percent makes this movie for me. He's so great. He's so great. So okay, real quick, the reason. The reason I wanted, you know, I had asked you on this episode specifically is because I, I don't know how I was like, the Warriors, we can put that with Murder Party. That'll that'll be what we'll pair with Murder Party. Yeah, I, I think I was just like arbitrarily trying to pair the Warriors with some movie for you. <laughs> I was just like, uh, the, the Warriors. 
watching this with Melanie this last week, uh, she's like, what are you watching this with? And I was like, uh, Murder Party. She's like, you should be watching this with The Crow. And I was like, oh, my God, we should. Oh, yeah, yeah. He could be the same character. Yeah, right. So I don't remember what you said. Somehow he before. survives the end. <laughs> Fire it up. So they have to then try to get home. As the intro to the movie sets up, it's not, you know, it is. It is like one of those old tales, 300 or whatever. The, the army, the small group from this one army stranded in enemy territory. They got to fight their way back. All they got to do is get home to Coney Island. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I have some complaints about the movie, but do would is there anything you guys want to touch on before I jump into complaints? I do like that it is this weird like it obviously is not like modern day. I, there is no there's no universe where this was like a legit thing, you know. Everything's so over the top. Everything's hyperbolic. The the baseball furies are a good indication of it. You also have the gang that's basically on roller skates. I mean, it's so over the top. You don't even know who is and is not a gang. Like there's a moment later on where they're on the subway and and these guys get on on the subway and it's like folks who had just been to like a prom or something. And I'm like, they're a gang. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you you honestly don't know who isn't that in a gang. Been- so amazing. I didn't even, that hadn't even occurred to me while watching it, but that would have been such an amazing turn. All of a sudden, <laughs> instead of like looking disgusted and getting off, they like pull switchblades or something. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, like their their outfits are no more or less outlandish than any of the other gang outfits, really. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of, you know, they were all kind of like in the same theme. And that seemed to be how the gangs in this universe work. So, yeah, no, like, I really like it. it. It has this bizarre clockwork orange outside of reality vibe to it. It doesn't feel like it. it's supposed to take place in, in modern day, whatever modern day is. So, no, I, I, I have a lot of fun with this one. But I do, um, well, we'll get into complaints later. So, other positives. There is none. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think there's some there's there's some positives. It's pretty well shot. There are aspects I like to the gang thing where they are all outlandish and it basically gets to a point where like there's cops that they have a run in with and the cops are just another costume gang, really. Like it. Yeah. So maybe the stakes seem a little higher because uh, people actually members of the people here actually die when cops are around very unceremoniously. But I'm trying hard not to get into the negatives yet. T-Bird was awesome. (laughs) I, I don't dislike this. Awesome. Okay, I don't dislike this movie. Yeah, there are some problems. There are some. Pro- I again, I really like the idea, and I, I like the feel of it. I, I'm a big fan of like you know a movie. It takes place over this one night. I just I like that. I don't know that works so well in a lot of movies to where it's you know the movie is a span of one night, and you're basically on this journey for an evening with these characters. Problem is. These characters suck. These big characters, I don't like any of them. Uh, oh, no, yeah. Okay, so first off, we lose two of the... Is it just two? No, we end up losing three of the warriors throughout the movie. One of them's arrested. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. He's an idiot. And he did brought it upon himself because he wanted to get rapey with this random lady who <laughs> Melanie and I were convinced was a man. It's like, no, look at, look at that face. That's a man. 
they're going to do this like <laughs> man and drag a little twist on the guy. It totally wasn't. It was a woman. So apologies to that woman. Right. Uh, she was just undercover cop. <laughs> anyway. However, the other two, like the leader of the warriors, you never find out what happens to him. I'm guessing he got beat to death <laughs> in the park before they even <laughs> left. Because he's the, he got surrounded by the uh, the riffs or whatever the the pa- oh that's the, right Melanie called him the pajama gang because they all look like they're in very comfortable comfy robes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they surrounded him and we never see him again. So I guess he's dead. And then the quiet guy who was the only other likable guy just because he didn't really say anything. The guy that was also in the thing. He was the one person that for sure witnessed uh, who actually killed Cyrus. He got thrown in front of a subway train while fighting with a cop. It happened so quick. The scene cuts away and they never mention him again. No, they mentioned him one time. One of the guys asks the chick that tags along with him what happened. And she just said he got and she said he got wrapped by the police. And that's it. Like, that's the only other mention the entire rest of the movie. It's like, well, that that kind of sucks and doesn't. I don't know, feel necessarily appropriate, just kind of glossed over. You you think that'd be a bigger deal for them? In retrospect, it almost feels like he was never really in the movie. He just Maybe they just shot some extra stuff. We need this other guy to witness it. Uh, Shoot some stuff with them and we'll just cut it together. It'll feel like he's there. I don't know. It's pretty (laughs) strange. It's interesting because I feel like it has a similar pacing problem to the murder party. In that the second act, I mean, like, obviously the bulk of the movie is we've got to get back to Coney Island. So it's pivotal, but it also does drag. It's like these really long, I don't know, like environmental shots. And then some kind of fight goes down and then mix and repeat. And I can't expect the movie to be full of iconic lines, but you got... Can you dig it at the beginning? Super memorable. Very 70s. Yeah. And then you got Warriors come out and play, eh? which is still referenced in stuff. It was referenced in uh, Luke Cage season one. And the Simpsons have referenced it. I I distinctly remember Bart at some point having bot- clinking bottles on his fingers, which is also so <laughs> weird. Whose decision was that? Was that the actor? <laughs> like, who come right. up with that? I don't know. Is that a real gang thing? That's what I kept thinking. I was like, what is this? Why Maybe. is he taunting them like that? I don't understand. So I don't know. I was just kind of expecting more super 70s-isms, and there's not. I mean, it is super 70s. There's the costumes, the styles, and everything, just super that. But those are the main things that really stuck stick around, and I was expecting more, I don't know, amusing 70s attitude like that. But right, eh, whatever. Again, that kind of comes down to expectations so and that's that's on that's not the movie's fault that's me the only thing i really found funny or kind of interesting was when i was reading the trivia was that they had so many issues with actual gangs while filming this that they had either pay gangs for protection or um or put them in the film as payment i know there was also a thing where where when they were going to try and put the movie out there was a bunch of worry that like releasing the movie would incite gang violence kind of thing. Like, yeah. And so you shouldn't go to the movie because you could, you could get, get in the crosshairs of gang violence at this movie kind of thing. It's so weird that they would 
think that. I mean, I, I get it. And I realize gangs is like, you know, I mean, in, in some places it's definitely still an issue, but like it was a concern. And that's why it surprises me that it's treated so comically over the top in this movie. It's almost like glorified, like, like, yeah, not only, not only are they such a big deal, like they run this town or they could run this town. Can you dig it? (laughs) I mean, I liked his idea of basically a mass, like it would have never worked just because of how, how it, it would have never worked. But just the idea of like Cyrus was trying to get all the gangs to throw down their differences and basically amass like a 60,000 man strong army to control the city. Uh, right. And I realized like it's He basically nighttime. wanted to escape from New York. Right. Yes, exactly. Oh, that would have been another good one to pair with this actually. Right. Uh, it basically though, would have like, been the prequel to it. The gangs and the characters of this movie are more over the top than in Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A number one, the Duke of New York, man, he would have fit like right in the, he would have ran this town <laughs> in the Warriors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun, but, you know, it's not my favorite. It's cool. Sure. So that's sure. my review. I also like that they had that lady at the radio station that apparently no one cares about playing music as threats or <laughs> messages to another gang. So it is very odd. The only way I can really justify it in my mind is that she works for the Riffs, who seem to kind of be the main gang. All right. Do we want to do star ratings on this? I don't know. It's just something I like to do. Oh, dude, that is so good. I love that for a villain like motivation. I don't know. It's just something I like to do. Oh, yeah, that's good. Man, he had like maybe six lines, and he nailed all of them. <laughs> he is, like I said, he makes this movie for me and he's barely in it but at the end yeah. when he pops up i'm just like dude he's so good in this he's so entertaining everything every little bit he has is so <laughs> like randomly in the movie you'll cut to him he's always on the phone talking to somebody at a payphone but <laughs> like yeah. they're at the, some little store shop and apparently they've gotten some food or something and the lady's like you haven't paid for that. And he just turns around and yells, so what? And then the scene ends. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> or who cares? <laughs> like, oh, you want to be what? like, snacks and road beers, stat. <laughs> Fire it up. <laughs> I kind of wanted to hear T-Bird say that too. He's like a lot more gravelly in the, in the now. <laughs> like, so what? <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's, let's, oh, I'm sorry, one other thing. The woman, her character makes no sense. Why is she there? This tag-along lady. That oh, yeah, no. Starts some, yeah, like, the tacked-on love interest sort of thing is so weird. At no point does he actually seem at all interested. Not even at the end where it's like, she's doing the whole, like, we're in love now. This is the end of this our little love story. He just, <laughs> I can travel. Look, he looks dead inside. <laughs> he just looks like yeah. he's not <laughs> yeah. at all what if we just left? We could just leave. We could just keep going. And he's just like, whatever. <laughs> okay, Jasper, I want to know what's your star rating on this thing. I almost coped myself into a four star rating. Just uh, how this movie was. Um, but I'm going to go three, three and a half. Okay. I, I can dig it. 
<laughs> can you? <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> I love I love Cyrus. He could have been a lot more of the movie for me too. Okay, so yeah, I went with, uh, I would go with about, this is tough. Like this would be one where I'd be like, it's got to be a 3.75.2. I'm inventing decimals. That's not possible. Yeah, it's somewhere in between 3.5 and 4 for me. I'm going to go with 3.5 because it is it it does get slow and it I nodded off a few times while I was rewatching it partly because I know what happens in the movie and so you know it's not nearly as interesting on a rewatch unless you're really in the mood for it so it's not it's not like a a true four star for me but it does have that I don't know man when I'm in the mood for it pop it in kind of thing. But again, you're kind of just looking for a few key things about the movie. You could skip an awful lot of it. So yeah, three, three point five, and And a lot of that is just the nostalgia factor that keeps bringing me back. It is very watchable. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three. I, I don't want to go lower than three because it's enjoyable. It's not bad. Like I kind of trashed it and yeah, it's fair, but there are some things that I enjoy in it quite a bit. I kind of like what it's trying to go for. Some of the gangs are ridiculous, but I do like this weird, heightened, somewhat campy reality that it crafts. It's definitely not quite real life. Right. One of the best villains that I don't think it gets brought up a whole lot when people talk about villains, but man, he's so entertaining in this. And, uh, you know, it's fairly well made. But yeah, I'll go three stars on The Warriors. Yeah. Ultimate director's cut. By the way, I just do I do want to say like even being like, you know, we you know, Grog's podcast is a comic book podcast, so you know, we we enjoy comic books. I don't feel the comic book panels work or really add what it needs to or what they were going for. It feels right. a little extra cheese that is unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have that comic book vibe. Like that's not what I think of when I think of comic books. No, exactly. And again, like if you look at how kind of over the top the costumes and everything are, I kind of get I kind of get the idea behind it, but it it still doesn't it doesn't feel like a comic book. So, no. It seems unnecessary. Hey you, listener, do you like the scary, the terrifying, and the macabre? Then boy, do I have a podcast for you. Head on over to Moose's Marvelous Woodburnings on Facebook on the 25th of every month, starting in October, for new episodes of Moose's Monster Mash, a podcast about horror, where myself and one of my friends sit down each month and discuss different horror movies. That's Moose's Monster Mash, and it's only available at Moose's Marvelous Woodburnings on Facebook.com. So gentlemen... The movie studios, they're running out of comic books. I mean, not really, but they, they don't really know what else to do for comic books. So, they, But they want to still do something kind of over the top with some wild costumes. But they also want some edge, some gore, maybe some tongue-in-cheek commentary on art, <laughs> the art scene. Uh, how would you combine the Warriors and Murder Party into one Murder Warrior cinematic universe? <laughs> Murder Warrior. That's I say gotta be a movie, the right? The future is ours if you can count. <laughs> okay. Traditionally, we have the guests go first, but I, I feel bad making Jesse go first every time. Who wants to go first on this on this pitch? I can go. You need okay. <laughs> do it, Jasper. Do it. Okay. 
So the way that I put this is that so the gangs have kind of died down, but William is what is the son of one of the Furies. Okay, and the, and there there were kind of re, there's a bunch of new gangs starting, and um, he's he's the murder party. Uh, he's the Fury in Murder Party, right? Yeah, Bill. Okay, William is. Yeah. So these new these new gangs are fresh start, but he's kind of the 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 reason why he's distant is because he's kind of used to this lifestyle already. The murder party was to murder this guy to start a new alliance with the gangs because they were going to blame the murder on Cicero, who drew, runs the New Era Triad. Okay, so there, there's the vamps, the downtown wolfmen, the downtown and, wolfmen, and the, run, okay. the run, yeah, and the <laughs> running. Blade. I'm sorry. What was the last one? Running the running blade. Anyway. <laughs> The God, running blades. So oh my bad. God! Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> okay. So when when they get caught talking crap against him, that's that's when that whole when murder party happens. Okay. So what where it goes from is since you know now now um, Chris has got a taste for this kind of lifestyle and he wants to start his own gang to get back at all all five of the, or all all of these gangs, and so he starts the night gang and they go around in, in cardboard box night costumes and now they take and then the, the next three movies are him taking over the city as the night gang okay i i could dig it <laughs> i can i can dig it that's everything yeah okay i'm gonna jump in with mine real quick because it's not too far off of that so here's what i got i have a sequel to murder party called Murder Party 2, One Heck of a Night. And, uh... <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I'm being punished. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Murder Party 2 actually takes place during Murder Party. Murder Party 2 first starts, it picks up after the hostage, William, or no, Chris, Christopher, has killed the baseball fury and he hands the phone to the guy and he's walking home well what we don't see like he has to walk home across the city and because <laughs> in murder party we basically cut from there it's night to like morning and he's walking home he can't get through the subway so he's got to walk all the way home that's when murder party 2 happens so we have our lonely night it's got a trek across all these other <laughs> gang turfs because murder party Okay, it's pretty obvious it happened during Halloween, but nobody was dressed up for Halloween. Those are the gangs he sees out on the streets. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to take that obvious angle. At some point, we can cut back to the scene and, uh, you know, we see some people there, not cops, but they find his wallet. So then word goes out on the radio that there's a lonely night out there. He's got to watch his tail. And basically, we get Radio DJ sicking these gangs on the cardboard night, making his way across the city trying to get home. So basically, it's it's <laughs> it's the Warriors, only it's one single warrior. He's the night, the night warrior. And uh, oh, at some boy. point, <laughs> at some point, maybe he'll pick up a totally unnecessary tag along love interest who he's not really interested in. And uh, <laughs> and that's the movie, you know, somebody's trying to get revenge because he was obviously had to do with the death of, you know, 
the running blades i'm oh no i can't i'm just gonna say the blade runners and you know the baseball furies obviously he was like (laughs) one of their main enforcers and uh we got to throw in a gang that's just like super uber pretentious art crowd gang and yeah that's that's murder party (laughs) 2 And then, and it ends with, <laughs> yeah, it ends with the end of Murder Party. And there's a reason why he, when he gets back to his house, all that blood he's covered in it should probably be dry, but it's not. It still looks very glistening. It's because he had a crazy, right. heck of a crazy wild night. So there you go. And <laughs> and that's and why if, he's so hungry that he has to finish that candy corn. Yep, that a little bit of those few candy corns, and he's he's even got respect, gained the respect of his cat finally. I I also I I wanted to point out like that's a crazy amount of of candy corn that he looked like he was just gonna eat until <laughs> right? he that went was to just a murder be party. For him. Yep. He was just gonna eat it. He just had this whole bowl of of candy corn. That's a lot of candy corn, dude. Maybe that's what the pills were. Some type of diabetes or something. <laughs> it was like some kind of a digestive enzyme. So he didn't just yeah. <laughs> Holy waxy, moly. waxy. You need to combat the waxy <laughs> candy diet he's on. <laughs> right, right. All right. Uh, and then, you know, future movies. Obviously, he's he's uh, got a taste for blood, so, you know, he's going to start his own gang. And maybe he'll be the new Cyrus. <laughs> uh, he's going to get a personality. Okay. <laughs> Jesse. How about oh, you? Oh man, you guys, we're we're all very we all have very similar pitches. Okay. So, um mine is it's very similar to both of yours uh in different ways though. It is going to be another like chaining movie kind of thing, but I'm I'm taking the premise that uh the warriors is that weird hyperbolic almost Mad Maxian future that's not like a step removed from uh, Escape from New York kind of thing. Like, so the Warriors takes place in the future. It hasn't happened yet. And William is the reason that we have the baseball furies in the future. But what sets it up, okay, the murder party happens. And it's a trauma, obviously, for Christopher S. Hawley. But for Cicero, who had this crazy party that just happened to become a murder party. It was also going to be like his art opening. And he worked really hard for that. You know, Bosia, he worked really hard for that and it worked, but it didn't work because of anything that he did. It became this actual murder party and, and he released it. He opened the show to the public. The public came in, they walk into the room where everybody is art and they're all dead and they're all murdered. And uh, it became, it became, the installation and most people didn't realize that it was actual death aside from the smell. And so it went viral and he, he garnered some real success and, and, and a lot of press because Holy crap, it was a murder. It was like a real murder. He wasn't involved. It wasn't his fault, but he got, he got put on the map because a murder happened in his art gallery and everybody thought it was art. So after like the dust has settled he wants to recreate that magic. <laughs> yes. There's only okay. there's only one way that he can do that that he's aware of, and that is the one survivor from the murder party. And that is Christopher S. Hawley. So 
Christopher S. Hawley, he's he's been filled with drama. He or with the trauma and drama of the of the night's events. Uh, he can he can kind of fill in all the blanks for Cicero, but Cicero wants to create something like it. So what he's done is is he's he's essentially it's like um it would be I almost feel like it it could be a movie or it would have to be almost like a like a TV series like a Netflix series of basically Cicero wants to manufacture these visually intense gangs and he wants to give them their own boroughs. So he takes over the role of this fake Alexander. You're like Alexander created this, this idea that he could give everybody this money, uh, you know, this grant money uh, for art. Well, Cicero takes on that moniker of almost like the mob boss type of guy. He becomes this, this guy who supplants, these different gangs around the city and kind of in the name of art, at least in his own mind, but it, it winds up go, growing bigger and bigger and beyond his control. And part of the reason that I, I came up with this idea for the pitch was because of, because of Cyrus and the way that Cyrus delivers his lines is very similar to the way that Bo Sia delivers his slam poetry. Like I, I sent you guys a, a link to one of his uh-huh. poems they did for Death Deaf Poetry Jam. And the way that he delivers is very methodical, almost the way that uh Cicero does. So it's it's got a weird rhythm and cadence to it. And and I kept thinking, God, what if what if the reason that, that Cyrus talks that way is because Bo Sia is behind all of it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's great. And so like uh like this Christopher S. Holly, he is basically just like a almost like a consult, like a consultation type of thing. So it's informed by real life violence, but he winds up accidentally creating the world that in that the warriors inhabit. That's dude <laughs> see, that's why we have you on for these pitches because <laughs> Jasper and I, like I think we have those are fun pitches they're very obvious you like take an unexpected road to get there and it's so good it's so good (laughs) well we all kind of included Cicero in our pitch a little bit to some degree but (laughs) oh man no he's the mastermind he needs he needs it (laughs) he got a little taste of success and it's driven him crazy (laughs) no I it's great because you build it's built off the back of what is otherwise like a one scene character in murder party. <laughs> so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> my other, my other option was just to do, um, Oh, what's his name? Lancelot was just to do like a uh, look who's talking now. Was it uh Oh, what's it? What's that movie? <laughs> With the Michael cat? J. Fox was a dog. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where it's all just the cat's eye view. <laughs> But I was like, what does, what did, what did, uh, what kind of night did the cat have? <laughs> it seemed like the cat was actually behind it, the murder party setup. <laughs> it was a plot to get rid like of his bastard. He never ever moved, but maybe that was all a ruse. The was, secret life of pets murder party. He was called the shots. <laughs> <laughs> a talking cat. Who's plotting a murder? <laughs> it's, it's like Garfield, but with chainsaws. <laughs> it's like Garfield, but with chainsaws. I hate Mondays. 
<laughs> and Halloween's. And Halloween. And everyone has to die. Everyone dies. Where's Odie? Everyone dies. <laughs> Where's Odie? What? No, no lasagna? This is a stupid party. Everyone dies. Go get Odie jacked up on some meth and fetch the pizza people to him. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, a dog, yeah, there's a plot point in Murder Party. Listener, in case you're wondering, that uh, the dog gets jacked up on meth and eats its owner's face. Yep. Oh, that's right, yeah. <sighs> I think the nights will kind of take place of the rifts in this future, you know? Since, since yeah. like, uh, he's got the tie to Cicero, so they, they kind of get, like, lead gang. I love the idea of like a cardboard night gang. Too. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be completely like that. Out would place. just no. It would just fit right in somehow. <laughs> oh, and the vampire gang. I mean, because two of the two of the murder party people are dressed as vampires. They would definitely fit right in. Right. <laughs> I mean, if the Warriors was made in the '90s or early aughts, there would be a vampire gang in there. And Cicero would tell them to take their pants off. <laughs> I mean, no, not not Cicero. <laughs> it, was a, it was Alexander. Alexander. Like, uh, Cyrus, Cyrus would be like, yeah, the, the future is ours. If you take your pants off, if you can count, there's only one vampire gang in this city. You're hairy. <laughs> yeah, you're hairy. Okay. Wow. So there we go. Man, that's some Halloween stuff right there. That's what we... <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's Halloween because we got the streets, sucker. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jesse, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, yes, it's been great. And <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. As always, you knock the pitch out of the park like you're some <laughs> kind of baseball fury or something. If uh, people wanted to catch you doing other things that you do where might they do that and what do you what, what are those things <laughs> well first first you'd have to have your baseball glove ready because you have to catch me like a pop fly i'm i'm over there i'm way way over there in left field with the grolix podcast that's grolixpodcast.com or or i'm over in the right field where 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 i'm i'm coming in like a line drive with the with the with the cartwheelspodcast.com. That is that's where I am. There's been so much <laughs> there's been more sports talk this episode than on any episode of Grolix anything ever. That's right. Cause we come out to play a <laughs> Awesome, awesome, man. All right. Uh do I know what we have coming up next episode? Let me look at my sheet here. Oh my god, I do have something scheduled for next episode. Oh, f- Okay. <laughs> this may change, but I don't know for sure. It, probably not. So here's what's coming up next episode before we jump out of here. <sighs> Jasper, we're going to hit you with quality horror this season, as well as Leprechaun 4 in space. And... <laughs> We can't go to space in the, with the Leprechaun without bringing our little buddy Jason Voorhees, so we're going to pair that up with Jason X. Woo! Yes. We also have a guest lined up for that episode. It, God, it keeps getting better. Our guest, Jerry the Gnome. 
Oh, man. Not Matt. Not Matt D. Jerry's Wrangler. But Jerry the Gnome himself. Oh, Lord. That sounds incredible. Yeah, you're going to have to be in the studio for that one, Jasper. That's going to be, wow, what an episode. I'm so excited for that. It's going to be exciting. Also, I have to watch a Leprechaun in Space movie now. Crap. Why did I do this? I think that's one of the few Leprechauns I have not seen. We'll follow that up with some quality. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, God. I haven't seen it, no. I haven't seen it either. I know I've seen some of the early ones, and Lep in the Hood, it's all good. I've seen that yeah, one. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. And it's been a long time since I've seen X. <laughs> I I love that it's not Leprechaun in Space. It's Leprechaun 4 in Space. <laughs> <laughs> Semicolon right. in Space. Okay, so listener, wow, come back for that. Also, of course, man, have a good Halloween, everybody. Halloween's here. Yeah. Happy Halloween. This, honestly, this feels like a real weird Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But, I mean, it's almost perfect at the same time. You're right. All right, as always, this has been the Grolix Cinematic Universe. You can find more of this show at GrolixPodcast.com or any of the fine podcast directories you might find other podcasts. We're there. I, I guarantee it. Or your money back. Guess what? It's free. And also, you know, speaking of money, patreon.com slash Podcast. Help the show out. Get good, 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 good yeah. stuff. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it was a giggig, giggig, giggity good stuff. I know. Ew. Why did I go freaking... <laughs> Family guy. <laughs> Family let's guy, see. yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. And finally, let's just wrap this up. I've been Randall Sylvie. You can find me on Twitter at Randall Sylvie or go to RandallSylvie.com or check out, if you need podcast editing and production assistance, go to Pod Edit. That's P-O-D-E-D-I-T, edit.com. Jasper, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Caranzo Media, which is K-O-R-A-N-S-O Media. And uh, yeah. I'm there in person at We're Twitter offices. Sorry. At the Twitter offices? They let you in there? I am my Twitter. <laughs> I've got a lot of G fuel for that. <laughs> I, I am. I am my Twitter. Oh, no. This saves the G fuel for when I come on. Next episode, Jasper calls in from a literal f-ing potato. <laughs> <laughs>